Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time is it. Time for the Happy to be here, you guys. Welcome back. Welcome back oh to the show. Oh, my gosh. Welcome back. We've missed you. Thank you. We sallied forth without you, but, you know, it's always better when you're here. We love you, and we we love... Uh, oh, that's I nice. mean, I just like staring at your face. I like staring at your face. That's good. Uh, last weekend, I stared at Mike Brown's face. Yeah, you did. At a wedding up in Ely, Minnesota, at the Winton Long Branch Gun Club that I mean, he owns. Okay. Can I just say, what I see guys who have made, like, fire and cooking structures on their own, like out of wood that they've just created like little towers and things. I think, man, I think I can do that. Or like, I want someone to do that. I think you should. I want to try. It was really cool. And it was a very show-stopping kind of, the wedding was extremely, like the setting was extremely rustic. Yeah. And sandy. And then there was rain and we built an arboretum birch trees. I mean, oh, one of those kind of. Right earthier she just wore natural oh natural well, she wore a valentino silk gown that she ordered that was used from somewhere in italy that just arrived and fit perfectly with steger mucklucks oh perfect <laughs> so it was that kind of wedding yeah but it it was great the food was great everyone said to me that night like who is this guy you know how mike brown is yeah how he's got this ability to bring you into this circus of good feeling yeah. and brings you along on the ride and the the food that was served was kind of disparate mm-hmm. meaning like he had like a cauliflower mexican curry and then there was tacos but then there was also pulled pork and but it all just wound around yeah the theater of outdoor cooking and the beauty of this sort of natural wedding Right. And it was amazing. Okay. It was really great. And he just like, yeah, the fire and the outdoor. And all like, of it worked. <clears throat> and then at the end, I was like thanking him and his partner's name, who I want to say, is it Jason? James Winberg? James. Yeah. Was there. 
who Kurt was in love with James. Of course he was. Go there. James is easy to love. Yeah, that was. So then at the end, like I'm thanking them and the servers, there were two women servers that came and like <laughs> Mike's Venmoing them. And I'm like, oh, he had just met them like that day. Oh, because there's no help in Ely. (laughs) And he had met this woman who had recommended her friends. And so here are these two women that had just really pulled off this glorious event with him that he had just met that day. I love that. I was like, this is such hospitality. This is also like the throw together nature of like serious hospitality hospitality. crisis of employees in a small town. (laughs) But they did great. And it all just was beautiful. Oh, my God. I love it so much. Yeah. So that was great. Um, did you, I had an opportunity. I just want to mention this briefly to see Daniel Hume at the, um, synergy series talk yesterday at, uh, the four seasons Yeah, at the dialogue. And he is a chef that had a super successful restaurant still does called, uh, Mad- 11 Madison on park, 11 Madison park. Thank you. Known as the best restaurant in the world. Yes. <laughs> and not just a little restaurant in New York. It's like the correct. standard. And what the story is with him, which is kind of unique, is during COVID, the restaurant closed, obviously, 250 people got laid off. He turned it into a soup kitchen, like a lot of restaurateurs did. But then what he did coming back is he completely changed the model and became an entirely plant-based vegan restaurant, which was very uh, groundbreaking, revolutionary, risky, all the things. So to hear him talk about that story was pretty unique. And and to be clear, there's there's it's not groundbreaking to have a vegan restaurant because there are plenty of vegan restaurants all around. But to do this at the high level of execution of the super five star fine dining and to commit to that was sort of like people were like, how are you going to do that? And, and to take a restaurant that the rent alone is a million dollars a year. Yeah. So but he's how, still charging for the vegetables. Like correct. that's the difference is like, he's also, he's not like, it's not like it got any cheaper. I don't, I'm you know not what I mean? saying it got any cheaper. Yeah. In fact, one of the things he said was it was hard to envision people spending the same amount of money on a protein dish as they would spend on a pile of carrots. But that's right. what we had to do. Well, and I think what, I think that there's been a lot of articles. There's plenty of articles you guys can read about this and about his journey through this. In terms of like deciding that it's really about what are you paying for? Are you really paying for an animal? Are you paying for the technique or, or the ingredient when you when you have a menu price? Or are you paying for the technique that makes that into a dish? And I think that's an interesting concept because when we price things, we think about things that are you're willing to pay for, and you're thinking about like oh, I'm going to pay thirty bucks for a steak, but I'm only <clears throat> I only want to pay ten dollars for a salad, and it's like that's our weird value proposition about. What food. the food is worth, mm-hmm. and yet there may be there may be different growing standards. There may be different, you know, uh, perspectives of farming. There may be different labor that goes into preparing something to create a bite that is just a bite. It's not valued higher or lower because of the ingredients in it. And I think there's something interesting to think about the breakdown of that idea and going into a plant direction with that i think that's to me that perspective is interesting because a lot of the critics when he opened a few of them panned it and said well why are you why are you even trying to make this taste like a burger when it's a you know i'm just using an example when it's a carrot yeah Yeah. and and the idea of like just give us something spectacular and i think he does do that in a lot of ways but there was it's the idea that we actually have to break down our own you know biases and like that's the journey. I think that's interesting for him. He had a couple of points that I just wanted to like, I wrote notes on them. Sure. 
that I thought were just kind of interesting points in general of a super successful creative person. Sure. Um, uh, he talked about speaking your goals into existence. Hmm. And I've been a big proponent of this. And when I look back on my life, it is so true. When you have a goal and you start to think it, then you start to tell people. And when you tell people, you kind of look at their face to see, like, are they, like, shocked? Are they thinking, oh, yeah, this makes sense? Like, you sort of start to see it happening. And the more you say it out loud and see how it sounds and try it on, the more likely it is to become a reality. Hmm. And I for sure did this with um, a radio show. I, and my friend Michael can tell you the exact day I told her I'm going to get a radio show. Yeah. And then I did it with TV, too. Sure. And I don't know if then you start working towards the goal or how the psychology of your brain works. But I do know that if you start to say things into existence and believe them and get your thinking around them, they, in my case, and I think a lot of people's cases start to happen. Yeah. So that's, I guess, the power of positive thinking. True. What he also um, said that I thought was really interesting was um, that new ideas for a creative person are extremely fragile and to treat them carefully. And I couldn't figure out what he was talking about. And it sounded a little woo woo. And then he'd explain that, like, when you have a new idea about something, there's a time that it needs to, like, marinate in your brain, kind of work its way through your psyche about what it looks like. And if you tell people and you start to work on that too soon, everyone's like, oh, that's never going to work. This, you know, you can't do it that way. You need to do it this way. And it changes the evolution of your creativity and your idea. Mm -hmm. So his point was make sure that you just spend time with some of your creative ideas before you bring them to light because they're extremely fragile. Cool. Yeah. And I thought about that, too. And like, wow, there's some truth to that, too. Yeah. Um, he was a really interesting person. I didn't agree with everything he said. I'm still a big meat eater, and I believe. Yeah, he. I know he believes that that veganism is the way to save the planet, which I think is wrong. <laughs> um, I'm. I don't. I'm. I don't. I. Here's what I will say. I don't think it's hundred percent right, and I don't think it's a hundred percent wrong. I think that we there's a lot of middle ground here. And anytime you're so on a platform of this or that, you miss all the nuances in between. Because a lot of family farming isn't ruining the planet. A lot of factory farming might be, uh, probably is. But also water is required and energy is required for plants. And it's not just a It's not a zero game. sum. Yeah, that's what I meant. Zero sum game. Um, so anyway, he was very interesting. I did not hear anybody that actually ate his food, but I'm sure our friend Robert um, and Jeffrey and Robert Jeffrey Mm -hmm. uh, were going for their second night. Sure. Um, There's fans. They're super fans. Yeah. And that's good. I love that. I love that people get to have that opportunity. I like that Gavin, too, takes the risk to bring people here that maybe we wouldn't have the opportunity because we don't get to the coast and like hang out with them. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So, what do we have coming up on the show today? We are gonna we're gonna call it uh, Mr. Tanner Curl in a minute. We're gonna talk a little bit about the Min Post Festival that's coming up. Um, we also are gonna talk with Tim McKee and Peter Thielen later. I'm excited about about that. the Omakase at Sanjusan. What do you got? Uh, let's see. We're gonna talk about all the things that were that I've been cooking because I have a ton of new recipes up and some dribs and drabs. Uh, some places I've eaten because. I was telling Jason it's eating season now because the harvest is done, the gardening is done, and now I'm oh, madly I'm like, harvest eating. isn't done, maybe for you and your your garden it yeah. is. I love now it. I'm just madly eating out. So Good. we'll tell you all about that when we come back on the weekly dish.
and the Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. I, I just want to say welcome to, I think we have Tanner is on the line. Hi, Tanner. Tanner, are you there? We got you, Tanner. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to welcome Tanner Curl to the show, you guys. He is the executive director of MinPost. And you guys are doing a very, very cool, in the name of independent journalism, which we want to like. Let's keep that going. Shout that out. You guys are doing the coolest festival this next weekend. And I want you to talk about what it is and what people can expect. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, so, yeah, we've got MinPost Festival planned. Uh, it's expanded. It's all in person, September 22nd, 23rd. It's Friday evening, all day Saturday. So a week from now, we'll be in full swing. We're kicking it off with a keynote with Samantha B., uh, who was on The Daily Show, sure. had her own show on TBS, comedian. She's got a podcast. She's coming into town. Uh, she'll be interviewing Tina Smith uh, to kick things off, and that'll be a lot of fun. And then Saturday, it's this full festival we've got really insightful conversations including one moderated by <laughs> steph march what are you uh, moderating i'm moderating that's why we're talking right yeah yeah, yeah. we're uh, talking about third culture cuisine but i'm not the only one tell us a little bit more and then i'll tell about what we're doing for me yeah yeah so um there's all these conversations there's shaletta brundage talking about black entrepreneurship houston white's going to be there um, we've got Nancy Lyons from Clockwork coming in to talk about AI. Um, we've got Tim Walls coming in for a one-on-one conversation with uh, our reporter, Peter Callahan. But in addition to these insightful conversations, it's a festival. Yeah. There's going to be activities. There's going to be um, uh, music. There's going to be performances. Uh, we're going to have vendors there. We're going to have a, a vintage pop-up shop. Um, we've got a bookseller there. Um, there's activities for kids of all ages. We're going to, you know, there's talk about designing uh, a new state flag. We're going to let people design what they think the new state flag should look like and put it up so you can see what other people are, are doing and stuff. We're going to have some interactive things to have people tell us like what they're thinking about if they live in Minneapolis, if they live in St. Paul or anywhere in terms of some of the local elections we have coming up, how people are feeling about Minneapolis. Um, there's food, there's drink. Uh, it's, it's a full day. It's for all ages. Um, there's all price points. There are passes that give all access, but there are some passes that are free uh, yeah. to some some parts of the, the festival. So it's it's fully accessible. And thanks to our sponsors, the tickets, our donors, everything, this festival helps support MinPost's independent journalism year round uh, and allows us to make that journalism available for free for all readers. Right. And this is the thing. And can you just give me like the why you think independent journalism, like let's give that like good nugget that we can like bring out with us independent journalism, why that is important for our city. I mean, there's accountability, uh, holding public officials accountable for their actions um, and just helping people understand what's going on. Right. All kinds of, you know, Big issues, thorny issues, complicated issues. We're there to be a trusted guide into those challenges, into those opportunities facing our state, and to empower all Minnesotans to make change in their communities. One of the things that happened at MinPost in the last week that I thought was kind of interesting was you guys limited and shut down the ability to comment. Shut down, just mm-hmm. the ability to comment on yeah. stories. Yeah. And what I thought was so interesting about that was not necessarily that you did it, but the incredibly small percentage of people that are commenting on news stories and journalism stories that are like making, in some cases, very insightful comments. And I would say your commenters were very insightful as a rule. 
but there were there's also just this cesspool of people that are just horrible trolls and tell me about just what your thoughts are about that decision and those statistics about how few people actually comment on articles yeah so um you know we have a, a post explaining that we we're a very transparent organization we think that's a big part of of building trust with the community that we serve is being transparent into the decisions we make so the full explanation is there but yeah i mean the the nugget that most people went to right away was out of all over 19,000 approved comments in the last year 55% came from just 20 people. Think about that. Um, <laughs> Isn't that just stunning? And that I get why you guys did it. I get that you're a transparent organization and I read the entire statement and I fully support what you did. I also mm-hmm. as someone in the journalism community and some of these comments that you get People just, it's like they think they're nameless and they're faceless and they just say anything. Yeah, I mean, it's an irony because they have to be nameful uh, with us. We we required people to have an account and they didn't have to pay or anything like that, but they just had to be registered uh, and so forth. Um, but we found, you know, a lot of them, they started, they were just really interacting with themselves. Yeah. yeah. So, becomes- you know, sort of like a small community among those 20 people, but it wasn't very insightful for other people. I mean, I yep. think there was a history where those comments, at least on MinPost, were much more insightful, where maybe some of the writers had more time to get into the comments and go and interact with the, yes. the readers. And I want to be very clear. We think that type of engagement is very important. We just did not sure. think that comments were the way to do it. The I mean, form. even this yeah. festival is a way to do that where, you know, people are going to come through. We're going to have these activities where they can tell us what, you know, what priorities do you think we should be focused on when covering the Minneapolis City Council election? And that's not just for people who live in Minneapolis. You know, Minneapolis is the biggest city it, in the state. Exactly. Everybody's invested in what's going on yep. here. I love it. So, yeah. Well, we're going to let you go, Tanner, because he's got a kid's soccer game he's got to get to. Okay. And so yeah. we're going to let you go. Thanks for being on, Tanner. We'll see you next oh, Saturday. Thanks for having me. Yeah. See you then. Okay. Bye. And so I wanted to kind of continue on and just tell you a little bit about the panel that I'm doing. First of all, the all access pass, you guys, is 85 bucks. And that's for everything. That's for two days of all access. They also have a nonprofit government educator all access pass for 65. They have a student all access pass for 35, which is very cool. And then they have a free pass, which has a few, you know, limited availability for some of that. But that allows people of different economic backgrounds to come to this. And I think that's one of those really important things that we think about when we're thinking about independent journalism and getting thoughts and opinions. And that's what I love about the idea that the comment sections wasn't meeting that need, you know? Yeah. And And you have to evolve. Yeah. And like, and this idea of going into bringing people into the same space physically is fantastic. Yeah, That's what I love about the idea of this festival. So you guys, if you want to come, we are doing a, a we're having a, a panel called Third Culture Cuisine, and it's me and Ann Kim and Yi Vang and Jorge Guzman. And we are all I'm so just like overjoyed that they all agreed to come and sit and talk about this because I've had conversations with all three of them over this past year that have all like separately kind of hit this point. And I think it's so interesting because obviously Yia did an entire concept on this. He called yep. it the Mika wasn't it? It was Mika. Yep. And it was about how, um, and then of course, Anne is the person who just said she's going to close Suki and Mimi and she's going to turn it into something that is more relevant to her personally, because this is about people who have a certain heritage, a certain family heritage outside of, you know, Midwestern and how they grew up with parents who kind of held on to that family heritage and lineage 
through cooking and through food. But nonetheless, when you become an American or you are born here, but your parents haven't been, you kind of get this uh, this this blending of worlds and it becomes a third culture. And Hattie McKinnon is a as a, you know, a, a, a cookbook writer who is um, she's a Chinese woman of, of descent. And but she lives in Australia and she has really talked about this in, in a couple of her books. And she's it's just fantastically interesting to think about dissecting those ideas and really the impact of it and how food does evolve right that's the fun stuff it does evolve and what is being an american in food these days that's a great conversation yeah so it's at 120 and september 23rd go get your tickets for the min post festival i will put a link on the weekly dish facebook we'll be right back Uh, i like this song i always like i don't know the bumper music in this station always gets me going um so okay hey how you doing Talking about, we went, I was saying earlier when we opened up the show that kind of like the way that my brain works is like we have gardening season. Yeah. Okay. It starts with cabin season because that's like opening up the cabin. Then there's gardening season where you're like planting the stuff and tending to the garden. Then there's harvest season, which is coincides with closing of the cabin season. And then I come home and I'm on this mad dash to eat at all the places that have opened or the new places or all the things that everyone else has been doing all summer that I've missed. Yeah. So I'm like going back and picking up all the restaurants and then we get into, that's what I do before. What season, Stephanie? Soup season? Feast. Oh, feast season. Right. <laughs> Soup is sort of interspersed. In you're here. right. You're right. But um, feast season starts November. Yeah. Yeah. So I have like two months of like getting in all the restaurant stuff before we start to get into our holiday feasting. Any who, as they say, um, the garden was a success, I think, like on a scale of one to ten, it was a seven for me this year. Okay. Um, it was such a weird dry season and then torrential rains and it was just kind of hard to predict. And um, the tomatoes are usually the big indicator for me because that's what I harvest the most. And when I arrived... Uh, what was it? August, you know, 28th. Yeah. They were mostly green again. And I was like, darn. Yeah. Because no matter how hard I try and no matter how early of the early girls I plant and no matter how early I start the seeds at home, nature has a way of just yep. making it so that it happens. Yeah. So I bring home, a t- I can a ton of green tomato things. I bring home a ton of green tomatoes, can the red, and I'm just finishing up. I have some oven roasted tomatoes in the oven today. From green tomatoes that I've been carting back and forth that are now finally red. Yeah. Um, but it was a it was a pretty good season. Cabbage wasn't as good. Beans were great. Um, I did make some new things this year and I've been canning a lot of things. Again, um, one of the things that I think people are starting to call me the tomato lady for is I'm very lazy canner and I'm a lazy like I have all this produce at once and I have usually like five days to deal with it. Yeah. So one year I cored and chopped and took the skins off and basically couldn't move my arm for two months. Yeah. So now I just cut the tomato. I take the stem off, cut them in half, roast them and blend them up and just can them that way and use that for like soups or sauces throughout the year or make um, like roasted tomato soup is basically that with just a little cream sometimes added if you're mm-hmm. even feeling fancy. So that has taken care of a lot of the hard work of the tomato harvesting. But I did do dilly beans this year. That was new. I'd never done those before. 
And what um, are dilly beans? You have to explain that when you say they that, are. Some people don't know green beans that you line up like little soldiers in a in a jar, yeah. And then you pour a hot brine over um, that is a pickled brine, and you can them, and then they are good for salads or for just eating right out of the jar. Ellie likes them out of the jar or Bloody Marys. I also pickled um, jalapenos, which I just love a pickled jalapeno, and I love having those throughout the season. Yeah. I made a new chutney with which was a little different this year and it's I used late season rhubarb. And I say late season because you have a big harvest of rhubarb in the spring. Yeah. And you harvest like up to two thirds of the plant. You leave a third behind. And then do throughout the course of the summer the plant is like growing and regenerating. And you need that to happen for the following season. But I'm looking at the stalks. I'm like, wow, these look real good. Like, I have this beautiful plant sitting here. Yeah. Can't I use a few? So I researched it. And you can use a little bit of the late season rhubarb. And I I had all these green tomatoes. So I used it as sort of a green tomato, late rhubarb, apple chutney situation and made that. And that was a new recipe that's on my website that I really liked. The key to that is, again... You want to harvest very um, judiciously. You don't want to over harvest. You don't want to pick too much. You want to leave a lot of that plant behind so that it gets the energy. But I loved the tart taste that it gave and the um, component to the apple with the green tomato really was delicious. Um, I put dates in that one too as the sweetener, which was kind of fun. So I was going to put curry, but I decided not to at the last minute because I thought if I want to add curry to this and actually make a curry, I yeah, can just do that. You want to do that later. Yeah, because otherwise mm-hmm. like, you could pour it over jelly or um, goat cheese or whatever. Um, I also made something that uh, I made for the first time that Meghan Markle, I think, found from somebody else, but it's sort of, sort of credited to her, the zucchini bolognese. Oh, <laughs> And basically the idea of it is, is you take a lot of zucchini and you cook them for four hours on the stovetop. You cut them into chunks and cook them. And it like really melts down into this like funky green, buttery, melty sauce that was incredibly delicious. But it is still zucchini after all. Like I was like, okay, let's just... Yeah, it's not going to taste the same as anything else. And it was beautiful and delicious and a great way to use up a lot of zucchini if you have it. Yeah. So I put a recipe for that on my site that I thought was way better than the recipe I looked at just because it had more elements, it had more flavor, and it had more herbs, which ultimately... So it's a white sauce. It's not a red sauce. It's not a red sauce, and it's not even a white sauce. It's It's a melted-down zucchini sauce. Why does she call it a bolognese, I wonder? it's half of the recipes on the internet are the name. You know what I mean? I'm terrible at naming recipes, and... I, it's, uh, that's just funny to me, because, like, it's... I mean, you I know. think she called it that because you cook it for so long. Okay. So it's like a Sunday cooking project that you literally cook it low and slow on your oven for four hours. Yeah. Kurt thought I'd forgotten it. <laughs> like hours later, he was like, hey, do you realize you're still cooking that zucchini on the top? I'm like, yes, yes, yes. That's part of the recipe. Okay. Interesting. Um, another thing that I made that I really am going to take forward, and I, if I write another cookbook, it'll for sure be in it, mm-hmm. was a dill pickle potato salad. Yeah, that's been, I've been seeing a lot of that around. It's so good. I've been seeing a lot of people doing it. It makes total sense, too. Yeah. So I canned... Tw- 
I made refrigerator pickles. It's my friend Jill Holter's recipe, who was on the air a couple weeks ago. Yeah, last week. I I am a terrible pickle canner, and you can tell me all of your little magic tricks. I've used the citric acid. I've used the pickle brine. I've used all the stuff. Does not matter. I don't know. It didn't work. You're messing it up. And I, for three years in a row, I've been kind of ruining a lot of pickles. Doing <laughs> you did this. give me one jar one time, and it was like I opened it and I was like, "Oh, these are not safe." <laughs> oh, it wasn't safe. It had been like it was already like gone. Oh, well, I know. I'm glad I tried not to poison you. Yeah, I know. Um, that would. But you be... also have given me plenty of great ones. Let's be very clear. Well, I had 28 this year, upside down refrigerator pickles and now i think at my refrigerator i'm down to like 18 because yeah. i've given them to neighbors and but um so yeah i that's how i do refrigerator pickles for the cucumbers i don't do the canning anymore but to take those then bright fresh crunchy delicious refrigerator pickles and tie them into potato salad that is like a warm vinaigrette the mustard that was a real delicious salad Good. i loved it Good. Um, Kurt was like, can you make that one again? Yeah. Another thing I did is the end of the basil season is here. Yeah. And you're still making like your caprese's, but the basil's getting a little peppery, (laughs) a little tired. I'm ignoring it. Mine is all thin and reedy looking. It's like so mad at me. It looks like it's angry at me. Yeah. Which I just, and then I'm like, I'm going to ignore you even more now. Since you're so angry. And and you have like these feelings of like, I know I should pick this. I know I should pick this. Right. One of the things to do with it is to make like an herb dressing. Because that sort of overcooked basil flavor of a little tired, a little peppery actually works pretty well in a dressing. Yeah. Because you get that more assertive flavor, but you also get like the smell of the basil and that freshness rounded out with, you know, yogurt and buttermilk and some of the things that go in a dressing. Mm-hmm. So that was a, a nice discovery. And we were we had so many tomatoes that we were trying to eat. We couldn't eat them all. So I started just pouring that on tomatoes. Oh, my God. There you go. <laughs> really good. Yeah. Um, and then something else happened uh, yesterday, I guess it was. We dropped another Taste Buds episode. There's been three so far. And this one was with our friend Ashley Olds from Sweet Science Ice Cream in Edina. And I got to go into her cookie laboratory. And it is a laboratory. And discover how she makes and handcrafts this Oreo cookie. Uh, it's not Oreo cookie. It's cookies and cream. Yeah. Ice cream. She does not use Oreos. She makes organic cookies. They make everything in that ice cream literally from scratch. Yeah. The stirring alone of a cauldron of ice cream at her place takes 30 minutes. Yeah. I have never had such appreciation for craft as I did that day. Good. Like the lady that was making the salted caramel swirl and her arms and like eight hours a day. I'm like, this is crazy that it's just so incredible. The ingredients, the beauty, the care that they take. The proportion of like cookie to cream base. Right. And how thoughtful it is. It was really a great experience and totally helped me understand like why when you buy a pint of craft ice cream that it costs more. I can't even believe it's as cheap as it is now that I know exactly what went into that. Yeah. It feels like I should pay her to buy her ice cream because she has to work so hard to make it. It's wonderful. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. So we did that. And then I took a no churn approach at home because I can't stir ice cream for 30 minutes. And made a delicious <coughs> peanut butter fudge pie that oh. was really, really good. Also made some scones. We had a big brunch. So I have just a lot of new recipes <laughs> okay. that I've made. I love and it. I hope that you make them too because they're delicious. You can find everything at stephaniesdish.com. Um, Taste Buds, again, we had the third episode. Another one will be dropping soon. 
you're going to start to see we're doing some NFL game day little commercial hits that'll be like little weird tasty videos that'll run during games, I guess. We're filming those on Monday. Um, So if you have any great ideas for NFL dips or things that I did all deep dive into what people make for the NFL game day. And here's what it is. Cheese. Yeah. Queso. Total like just queso and Velveeta and all of the cheesy things. Um, Manwich cans or chili cans. And then... um, what was the other third thing? Oh, burgers. Like, that's what, like, everything on the internet was basically those three things. Huh. It was pretty funny. Yeah. So that is it. That is the harvest season wrapped up. Okay. All the new recipes. You're feeling good. I am feeling good. Good. I hope you're feeling good, too. So when we come back, we're going to do the Ask Stephanie portion of the show. If you have, like, a game day idea you want to give or if you're working on new recipes or if you just have questions about your harvest or how to use produce that you have. My daughter Ellie is actually producing today, so she'll take your calls. 651-641-1071. We'll take your calls live on the air when we come back. Welcome back to The Weekly Dish. You are listening to The Weekly Dish, and we are at the Ask Stephanie portion of the show. If you would like to call in with questions or have um, comments about any of the things that we've talked about, we'd love to talk with you live on the air. 651-641-1071. I almost gave my personal phone number out on the air, which I've done many times. Um, Yes, so give us a call. We'd love to chat with you about what you guys are cooking, what you are harvesting, what you are thinking about as we enter the fall eating season, because it is eating season. Stephanie, have you been doing a lot of eating out? I can't wait to yeah, kind of connect. I've been eating out more than anything. In fact, I kind of was looking at my fridge, feeling like I wanted need to eat at home. Yeah, I yes. need to eat at home, and I just sort of feel like I haven't been able to. I haven't been able to do that. I've been running, 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 and um, you know that's good. I'm eating season. Just a reminder: if you are trying to find weekly dish things, we do put show links up on the My Talk One Hundred Seven One page. But really, the way to assess us quickly. And find the most things is our Facebook page, Weekly Dish MN. Also, Stephanie and I both have threads, Twitter, Instagram. We're probably on threads the least. I'm never on threads. Um, I, I haven't decided whether or not that's going to be a thing for me yet. Yeah, I just I'm can't. Not, I just, there's a lot I that know. I already put out that I feel like if you can't find me in other places, it feels like it's just I'm going to give more of the same. And that feels real boring. Yeah, to, to just, just be repeating one sparkle thing. sparkle and not be so boring. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Sparkler. Sparkler. I like your sparklage. Yeah. Um, so you can find us at all of those different venues and we will check them. And if you have questions too, that's always a good place to connect with us. Um, um I think I just wanna I think our friend Maida, who did our theme yes. song, has her um hook and ladder new single and new record debut this weekend. It was yesterday. Oh shoot. Yeah, it was either yesterday or Thursday. We missed it. But, okay. Yeah. But follow uh Maida. She is a wonderful rapper. She's a local treasure. She's such a great weekly disher. She's just hilarious. And you will like her music. She sent um me a link to some of her new music and it was great. Yeah, no, it was um it was yesterday, yeah. That okay, was Maida, party. I'm sorry I missed it. Yeah. It's good. Um, but yeah, no, she's she's spectacular and we love her to death and I'm excited for her and like just all the more things that she's doing. It's really great. Six five one six four one one oh seven one. No one's calling because no I calling. think they're outside today. It's which a is nice fine. day. The weather report is like this is gonna be a good weekend, it's you guys. It's gonna be an epic weekend. Woo! And isn't there like fifty two things to do too? Oh, there's a million like, just and on a half Saturday. things. I mean it's Oktoberfest is already kicked off. And Uda Pills is having yep. like a big two day soiree. Yep. 
I mean, I, I thought we'd we'd cover that more in like the end of the show where we talk about you know like what to go do and stuff. But I'm telling you, there's like it's there's a it's like fall. It's party season. People have really decided that like okay, I'm done with you know the hot and the summer means I can like get out and move around and I don't get tired and I want to eat and all the good stuff. What are and we then wearing? There's soccer games to yeah, go to. My sister's <laughs> upside down in soccer. What are we wearing this fall? I like, mean, have you identified, and maybe this is a shop girl's question. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, who are you talking to? I feel right? so confused about, like, are we wearing flared jeans? Are we wearing skinny jeans? How about you are just we wear wearing what you high rise, wear. low rise? Just wear what you want to wear, dude. Yeah, yesterday, this super cute 22 year old lady who is a daughter of a friend of mine was wearing jeans that, like, I, I just was like, wow, the, the top of the jeans came right under her literal breasts. Mm-hmm. It was so high. I was like, wow. Are we going that high? Like, I'm just so confused. Are we jean jacketing? Are they high? Are they low? Are we barn coating? I have all these fashion questions. I might have to sit and talk with Allison you. Might have Harmony. to, but again, I will just keep going back to like do what you want. Is that the <laughs> like, fashion? Maybe, but that's not even fashion. That's just that's just the point. You're like you know just well, I wear what you like want to wear. On trend. Do you? Is that important to you? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, a little. Just okay. like I, I want to look. Um, Okay, this is vain and very vulnerable, so don't rip me. Oh, okay. I want to look like I'm not trying too hard, but I'm also not like totally wearing mom clothes. Okay. Somewhere in between. Okay. Does that? Yeah. Like sure. kind of maybe ever Eve-ish, but then I don't know. Okay. I don't know if that's where I should shop. I know nothing. Uh, well, I mean, you should just kind of, I think the key of this is just look around and see what you like and then purchase it. No, because I don't trust myself. Okay. Because I, I think I will, like, do either too trendy and then it doesn't look great. Like, I did buy this jumpsuit that I wore and Kurt was like, yeah, that looks terrible. Co- oh, you've worn it a couple times. That blue-gray one? That's a cute one. But yeah. I have oh. a jumpsuit that was not cute that <laughs> looks, like, terrible. And I Kurt was like, like why are you wearing you that, that? jumpsuit again. Like, well, the blue-gray one. That's a great one. Okay. All right. Yeah. Maybe it's jumpsuit season again. But wasn't that last season? Okay, but here's the thing. I guess maybe I'm the wrong person to talk to about this because I really don't follow like trends. You always look cute, but because I buy things that pants. look good, like I or that I like, I just buy things that I'm like, ooh, that's neat, and then I buy it. But I don't like. I'm also not a shopper. We all know this. I'm, I know. I'm I not just a shopper am not either. I buy classic things and then I sort of cycled them through. Like the, my favorite sweater is like 30 years old, yeah. but it's like a classic kimono type sweater. So. I don't know. This is totally Alley Shops. This is definitely We are totally taking over your show, you guys. Sorry, you're going to have to come in. Yeah, what are the fashion trends? I know. I don't know about that. But um, hey, I did want to shout out something also on the magazine, on uh, Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine. We do have a new... This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You ever get that feeling where you know you need to get something off your chest? Holding stuff in really becomes a stressor. Things you want to mention to your boss, your partner your parents. Bottling it up only makes things worse and start to make our life go sideways. But what can we do about it? Therapy is a great safe space to get things off our chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Sometimes just putting those bottled up words out into the universe can be a big help, especially when it's in a safe space with your therapist. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and is designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You start by filling out a questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no charge. Visit betterhelp.com slash weekly dish today to get 10% off your first month. 
That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Weekly Dish. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Speaking of Meta, that made me think about this. We do have a new calendar, a new things to do calendar on the website. And so when you go to mspmag.com, um, you can, you, when you look it at the top navigation bar, there's a little thing called things to do. And when you click into it, it brings you to a new calendar that we are launching called the scene. I love it. And it basically gives you editors picks of things that are going on this week, featured events. Um, and then they have event collections so that, you know, and we're kind of just rolling it out softly. So there's like, when you click on the food and drink events portion, you should be able to find like a lot of the stuff that Mobile I talk fest. about. Well, things that but I I'm talk doing about next weekend. Okay. But like, so then that should get entered in here, but there's like Blocktoberfest and there's, you know, there's all smokeouts in there, the veg fest. So hopefully as we're starting to get that going more, we'll have, uh, we'll have more things in there. All right. So that's a good space to go look for it. It is. Should we talk to Beth? Oh yeah, Is Beth. Beth, are you you're live on the air, Beth? Are you calling with fashion advice, or do you have actual food questions? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I'm calling about food, but I don't necessarily have a question. Uh, I've been listening to you this morning, and I feel like I heard the title for your next book, which is "The Lazy Canner." Oh, oh, there you I like go. it. Uh, I I gave up growing a garden because it was way too much work, and I use farmers markets to get produce and kind of do it all in one day. Um, but uh, and neighbors give me produce, and I have a neighbor right now giving me more tomatoes than I know what to do with. And I pulled out your recipe. I call it the tomato butter sauce. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if that's what you call yeah. it. Yeah, I made it last week. It was so good, and so I think. Uh, you know, not just like canning and drying, but those kind of recipes. I would absolutely buy a book that would help me okay. uh, lose my guilt over not using all my produce. Oh, I like I it. Love the that. Lazy good canner. One. That could be a good one. All right. Thanks, Beth. I'm going to just make a note here. Okay. We have a call from Cindy. Hi, Cindy. How you doing? You're live on the air. We're going to take a Yeah, Cindy, we're going to get you on the other side. Ellie will get you to hold. We'll take you as we come back on the Weekly Dish for Hour 2.